baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is a special rebroadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. Well, right on cue. And good evening. Not quite Halloween. It's Halloween Eve, actually. Friday, the 30th in St. Louis, and time once again for our annual Halloween Spooktacular. My name is Jim White. I'll be with you until 3 o'clock tomorrow morning. The first four of those hours broadcasting live from the Lemp Mansion in uh, South St. Louis. The scene of many interesting events over the years. A beautiful restaurant. Uh, can attest to that. And uh, we have some people here this evening. We have more people than we've ever had at one of our spooktaculars. Bevy Jagers is here, and Ray Jagers, and Ed Cleary, and uh, Bill Reininger, Flo Kurz, uh, Laura Cairo, Phyllis and David DeCristo, uh, Joe Palerno, who is otherwise known as Count Christopher. And uh, who did I miss? I miss some other people here, I know, but we'll be introducing them as the night goes on. Uh, we also have, I almost said in the studio with us, beautiful room we're in. I uh, found out just a little while ago that about a foot and a half to my left uh, is the spot where two of the Lemp family met their demise at their own hands some years ago. We have the uh, proprietor of the Lemp Mansion right now with us. His name is Dick Pointer, and we're going to come back get a little bit of information about the mansion, about some of the things that happened long ago, and about some of the things that have happened more recently. Uh, we also, as I mentioned, have Gordon Hayner here, and uh, Gordon did a piece for Real People about a year ago, conducted some seances and uh, some other things. So, it's just the beginning. Sit back, relax, maybe turn the light down a notch or two, and enjoy the KMOX annual Halloween Spooktacular. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone. This is Jack Buck for Hank Stram. Monday Night Football continues on CBS Radio next Monday night. The Minnesota Vikings, with a record of 5-3 and three and atop the NFC Central Division, travels to Denver. The Broncos are 5-3 and three and chasing Kansas City. The action begins at 8.50 Eastern Time next Monday on CBS Radio. Minnesota at Denver this coming Monday at 8.50 p.m. Eastern Time on many of these CBS Radio Network stations. Hear it here. Well, we're back at the Lem Mansion once again, and with me at the table, Dick Pointer, who's the proprietor, and he's been here for a short number of years as the, as the house itself goes, and uh, last time we were down here, Dick was telling us that when he took over the house, he just thought it was another old house, a nice old house to be sure, and really wasn't too familiar with some of the things that legend had it had occurred here, well, fact had it had occurred, but some of the strange happenings that uh, 
happened subsequently to that. Dick, how are you? Just fine. How are you? Good. Is anything uh, strange happening tonight other than the fact that the walls are bulging out from people here? Well, we're just a little busy. No, not yet. I figured we'd wait till we were on the air before we got footsteps or any... Oh, I see. ...planking. I, I, <laughs> I, please, I asked him to wait uh, this evening until we got on the air. Let's ask you just a little bit about the history of the house. Uh, when it was built, who built it, who lived here, what happened. Uh, I know you've told this story a hundred times, so I'll just let you tell it again. Okay. Well, the house was uh, actually built by Jacob Feichert. It was given to William Limp Sr. Uh, after his wedding, as a wedding present, because he happened to marry Julia Feichert. Uh, he used his immense fortune uh, that he had accumulated through the brewery business to turn what was a, a very large house into a true mansion, uh, added things like, uh, uh, well, as any time there was a refinement in housing, he added the very best into this house. Uh, lived here until 1904 when he uh, committed suicide. He raised his family here. The third generation of Lemps were uh, all born here in the house. And um, quite honestly, William Sr. started uh, what had been a very, very successful story into a tragedy with his suicide. Um, he committed suicide uh, supposedly because of his mourning over his uh, favorite son who had died at a very early age of a heart attack. Uh, the house then was used as brewery offices and uh, the Lemp Brewery was very much in business still at uh, 1904. Um, the room here that we're sitting in is where William Sr. committed suicide. He uh, Right room. in this corner to my left here. Right, Correct. exactly. Uh, the room uh, was then used as William Jr.'s office. And uh, it was used, like I say, the whole house was used as a brewery office. And this was William Jr.'s office. He ended up taking his life in 1922 uh, for a different reason, not because he lost his son, but basically because he had mismanaged uh, family affairs and uh, Prohibition had closed the brewery. A lot of... Uh, uh, bad decisions that William had made had come back more or less uh, to coin a phrase to haunt him and uh, he uh, sorry about that he uh, committed suicide in the same room in the same corner that his father had committed suicide in this room and that was 1922 the house was then used by Charles Lemp who was a, a brother of William Lemp Jr. as his residence uh, until 1949 now, Charles uh, also committed suicide in the house in 49, but it was, again, for a different set of circumstances, but uh, curiously enough, all in the same fashion, all three suicides with a pistol in the heart. And uh, Charles was a very outgoing man, uh, such things as uh, uh, very vivacious in the fact that he took up motorcycle riding at age 70 and contracted uh, cancer in the later parts of his life and was pretty well locked up here in the house and. Uh, had all the money in the world to do anything he wanted to, and here this disease struck, and it really kind of took the steam out of him. Uh, people did not see Charles the last uh, four or five years of his life as regularly as they had been used to, and he committed suicide downstairs uh, in 49. The house was then uh, turned into a rooming house, uh, two and three room apartments. After World War II, there was a tremendous housing shortage, and uh, as the flight to the suburbs got more and more, the house declined into smaller and smaller apartments. Uh, a lot of rumors that I, when I bought the house, I heard a lot of rumors as uh, strange things happening, but any old rooming house or flop house would have a lot of strange noises at all hours. So 
I think a lot of uh, things that might have happened through those years from 50 to 75 were probably dismissed because there were so many people here in the house. In 1975, uh, my father and myself bought the house to turn into a restaurant, not really knowing the history of the Lemps, uh, vaguely knowing, but not having any background material whatsoever. And uh, with this, we uh, immediately told everyone that they'd have to move because we were renovating the house. And I lived here from 75 to 1980 uh, in the house by myself um, and had quite a few strange experiences that I no longer could uh, attribute to there being a lot of other people in the house. Uh, oh, I, I can't really say that I've ever heard voices or groaning or, or I wish I could, but uh, one particular evening I had, I lived here with a uh, Doberman Pinscher that uh, was I nicknamed Shadow because Shadow went everywhere with me. Uh, she really had another name, but I nicknamed her Shadow because she wouldn't, if I was in the room, she had to be there. Um, a lot of people say dogs know things before human beings. I don't know why, but uh, it seems to be they have extra senses or whatever. But Shadow would never go to the attic. Uh, and Shadow, a dog named Shadow would go anywhere I went, and I could go in the attic, and she would lay down and wait for me to come back out of that attic which uh, there for a while I attributed it to the dog being lazy, not wanting to go up the steps, but uh, just recently here, within the last six months, I've had a psychic come through, had dinner, and, and went through the house, and uh, curiously enough, picked out the room that the suicides were committed, not only in this room here, but also downstairs. And uh, as we were going up into the attic, uh, she said that she smelled the smell of a dog. Hmm. Um, this was curious enough, but I, I just attributed it to the, you know, the fact that uh, a lot of people come up with different things that have no connection with the lamp. So I, this really did not connect, except she said it at the same spot Shadow always stopped. And then just recently, within the last three weeks, Charles Lemp's caretaker, a, a very good friend of the last caretakers for Charles Lemp, were in for lunch, and I sat and talked to them, and they said that Charles had a favorite dog that had the run of the house. And it was very peculiar because Charles was very uh, picky and very tidy person. And they said the dog had the complete run of the house and I asked them what kind of dog it was and it was sure enough it was a Doberman Pinscher that uh, uh, was kind of gave me chills again and I was glad I moved already. I know you had uh, given me a letter a week ago when I was down here looking around of somebody who lived here back in the 50s and you verified the things that he said and they were true. And he told some pretty wild tales about actually seeing Charles Lemp. Anyways, I'll read that letter again just a little bit later. Dick, I know uh, you're busy tonight with the, with the crowd that's here at the uh, restaurant and hope you'll stop back in throughout the evening and uh, sure. chat with us again, tell us more of the stories. Gordon is here and he uh, has worked with you before, did, a, did the uh, piece on real people last year and has some very uh, interesting things happen. Our other psychics have had a chance to sort of wander around the place, and a little bit later you're going to take us upstairs, right? Let me let me know when you want to see where the shadow stops all the time, okay? All we'll, right. We'll we, tonight we do have portable capability, so we can get up and wander around a little bit. And uh, we'll break away, go back to the studio, introduce some of our psychics here. We are going to be taking phone calls a bit later. The phone numbers, if you want to write them down, are 436-7900 in St. Louis. 436-7900 from Illinois, 3978-600. We'll be right back. Well, we're back at the Lem Mansion once again. Gordon Hainer, or Gordon Von Hainer, or whatever the heck your name is. Will you make up your mind? It's very oh, confusing. Tell me anything. <laughs> Gordon, you were here, it was about a year ago, I guess, with the crew from Real People. Right. Uh, doing a feature on the 
Land Mansion. How did you happen to become interested in this house in the first place? I can't remember exactly where we heard about it, but we, after we got into it, we became very, very interested because we thought that possibly there were three ghosts here, but it seems like that it settles down to Charles. Charles seems to be the predominant one, and anybody who's worked not only ourselves, but any other groups in here seem to come up with the name Charles, and he seems to be the one that has the greatest energy force that's causing the things to happen that are happening and have happened. Now, as I understand, you used, it was either, what, a planchette or a Ouija board and got the name Charles and the word gun. Is that correct? We got that, plus we, we got some other words in reference to Franklin Roosevelt that were not repeatable. <laughs> uh, apparently, he was not a Roosevelt fan. And um, but we did get a lot of words, and we got another interesting thing about money too, which uh, which related to an old dark place. And later we discovered there are caves under the building. Yeah, unfortunately we're not going to be able to get into the caves tonight. We had hoped we might be able to, but uh, quite a crowd here. It really wouldn't be too practical. We're going to come back. And underneath the mansion here, as a matter of fact, under this whole area of South St. Louis, there are caves. And it's my understanding that they used it number one for storage of beer a lot of times because of the cool temperatures there is also under here a theater that seats 300 people built in the caves that Mr. Lemp built and Dick has some uh, uh, props that he brought back up a shield and some other things uh, that he found down there have been used in some of the old plays but there's a theater down there that seats 300 people and possibly he may reopen that but the dark place and money are you indicating that perhaps there's a buried treasure down there in those caves? It would indicate that there might be yes who knows what lies down there, you see. <laughs> Besides Mr. Lemp. And other things. <laughs> let's see. Well, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, it was a long time ago that you did that feature, but you set up, as I recall, a camera with a, um, what do you call it, stop-action camera, and actually got something on film? The technicians yep. did, yeah. And they, they were able to pick up something on film, which they said conceivably might be the ghost of somebody, at least. Uh, we named it Charles because that's the one that we seem to be working with, but uh, can't say for sure who it was or what it was. It, it was just sort of an obscure thing, but they did pick it up. Had a lot of technical difficulties. Uh, the camera lights wouldn't work, the battery packs all went out, and other things. We might not even be broadcasting right now for all we know. <laughs> last year, well, last year at the 8 Mile House, we had a peculiar thing happen because we went off the air and finally decided well, it was close to closing time anyhow. And finally, uh, Bill, or Bill, our engineer, said, well, I might as well shut it off. It's not working. And he flipped the switch off, and we went back on the air. And then he turned it on, and we went off the air. So we finished the program with the equipment turned off. That's the only way it would work. <laughs> Just goes to show what happened when you get a bunch of psychics together. Goes to show something. We have, uh... That's the only reason you only do it once a year, <laughs> I suppose. Well, it's good to see you. We really should do it more than It's like weddings and funerals, isn't it? Yeah. We get... Now you're dressed for the uh, for either, either one, either one tonight, either. right? Marry, brought, marry me or bury me. Brought Sam, your screaming skull, with you this evening. Absolutely. Want to tell the story of that so our listeners what? can keep an ear peeled to the speaker? Well, tonight. let's hope not. But anyway, um, this is the Bodmin skull, which was given to me by a gentleman by the name of Vic Perry, who lived in England. And Vic picked this up down in the Cornwall area of England. Has quite a sinister reputation. It's about 500 years old, I'm told. And periodically throughout history, the skull would scream. And anyone who ever heard the scream met with an untimely demise. You mean if this thing goes off tonight... We will, we will be off the air permanently. <clears throat> Pay your mortgage insurance immediately. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. 
sitting on top of my bag of Snickers. <laughs> he doesn't eat much, does he? Well, the gentleman next to me was just saying if all those Snickers disappear, <laughs> suddenly, you know, we're going to be suspicious of something. I'll keep him from screaming, anyhow. The gentleman sitting next to you is Bill Little, who is uh, down here in his role as ecclesiastical advisor <laughs> and uh, counselor in case there's any spirit to start a fight among spouses tonight. I don't know what I'm doing down here. I tell you, sitting here by Gordon, that black suit and white tie, and looking at that skull. The skull's looking at you. <laughs> I didn't know that. I tell you, I'm here either until John O'Danny gets here or until that thing makes a sound or until I hear some footsteps that I can't see a body connected to. I hope John isn't listening because he's a little nervous to begin with. We have an, an authentic voodoo doll on the table here. From Where's that from? From New Orleans. That makes it authentic, I guess. And the skull and a bag of Snickers. Bevy Jaggers is here tonight. Bevy, you've uh, been wandering around this room. I know you haven't had too much opportunity to see the rest of the mansion yet, but uh, we did not tell you where the suicides took place in here, and you walked over there and said, it's cold over here. Yeah, I'm picking up at the same cold spot. Not in the corner, though, so your secretary can feel a little safer over there. But uh, more equidistant from the end of the uh, fireplace. In an area where death has occurred, there's always a cold feeling. It doesn't mean it's haunted necessarily, but it does mean that something has altered the, the makeup, the structure of the atmosphere in that place. Couldn't be a draft from the fireplace. No, because it's not that kind of cold. It doesn't move. <clears throat> Wish it were. Fellas, to Christo, you've been wandering around a little bit. I know you were down in the basement and uh, checking out some of the rooms. Uh, pick up on anything yet? Well, yes. Uh, downstairs in one of the back rooms to the left, as soon as I walked in it and took about three or four steps, I felt a, a sharp pain in my chest, and so I wandered around the room a bit and to see if I noticed anything else. When... I would point out you did not eat here tonight, so it was no. not indigestion. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, when I get into one of these areas, it seems like uh, I get lightheaded and the floor gets wavy. It's like walking through one of those spook houses, you know. It happens to me in saloons sometimes, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I'm not the one walking around with a glass of wine, huh? But uh, overall, you feel there's something going on here. Yeah, yeah, there is. Okay, as I said, a little bit later, we're going to go upstairs. I think some of you are going to have the opportunity to kind of spend a little time up there alone and uh, thump on the floor if anything happens. Are you happens. going to run out when you leave us there, or what? No, I have to be down here, of course, oh. next to the clock and oh. things important like that. No, I'll be up there broadcasting for a little while, okay. a little later, but um, Al Pechenik is here with his infrared cameras again. He just gave me a picture that uh, he took of me last year with the 8 Mile House with infrared film. I look much fatter on infrared for some reason. That's, uh, that's interesting. I've got to talk to Al later about the pictures he took last year. Incidentally, that place went out of business. Let's uh, knock on wood a little bit for this house tonight. We'll break away for just a moment. We have more people to introduce you to. Our phone numbers are 436-7900 St. Louis. I know that many, many people who live in this particular area in South St. Louis or who have lived here at one time or another have some stories to tell. We've been hearing them for the last couple of weeks since we first announced where we were going to be this evening. And you may wish to call in and uh, relate some of those stories. I'm going to dig out that letter from a gentleman who did live here some time ago. And uh, we'll be taking phone calls, talking with more of our guests this evening, more yet to come. So y'all hang on. Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular continues after this on KMOX.
Happy Halloween. This is a special broadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. introduce some of our guest psychics and uh, well they don't all call themselves psychics and we'll get a little bit from everybody about what it is they do um don't know if we're gonna have a chance to do any readings over the phone this evening or not with all that's going on i i just uh, found this letter that dick pointer had given me from someone who lived here back in the 1950s i thought maybe i'd read it again give people a background on some of the things that uh, have happened gordon have you read this letter have you seen this letter before no, but uh, you told me about it. I'm very interested in hearing it. Okay, it's rather a short letter, but it's, um, this house has been publicized, and the person who wrote it starts out by saying, an article this recent weekend about the ghost of Lemp Mansion, I know for a fact it is haunted. In the early 1950s, I lived in a basement apartment in the old Lemp Mansion. It was an eerie and scary place. I lived near what they called a reception room. With a big eerie place, a door leads out onto a walled round-back entrance porch, the old carriage house in the back south side had been made into two apartments. In the basement, the winding stairs led all the way to the attic, which was lined with old cedar, and a north attic window gave a view across the Mississippi River. In the basement, there were a full bath and a half bath. The half was located in a little hall behind the stairwell. The full bath was near the fireplace. There were no private restrooms. So any time at night, I would have to pass through the large reception room to get to the restrooms. Many times as I went past the foot of the stairs, I would look up all the way to the third floor to be sure no one was lurking there. But this night, very late after midnight, I went out through the larger room, and as always, I was careful to look all around and up the stairs. No one was there except myself. So this night, I went on into the bath, and when I came out, I looked around again. Only myself was there. But as I was passing the stairs, there stood a well-dressed man. He did not move. He suddenly appeared there. He looked steadily right at me, smiling. He wore a neat, expensive dark suit, his shoes were especially clean and new-looking. I had never seen any pictures of any Lemp family member, but I know this man was the ghost of Charles Lemp, who died in that basement place. He was not large, about 5'7". His features were small, medium complexion. His hair was dark and combed straight back. All this took only a second to see. This man wanted me to see him. I panicked, took one step to run, but then I stopped. I wanted to appear unafraid. As I stopped, I turned to look at him again. He was not there. He simply vanished. He did not go upstairs or anywhere, for I only looked away about the blink of an eye. He disappeared. No doubt he could still see me, but I could not see him. I made a bolt for my apartment, out, uh, went in, locked it after me, scared, cold, and shaking. In the early 50s, uh, was not long after Charles Lemp committed suicide. The old Lemp mansion had a row of mailboxes inside the front entrance. The second floor had a large bathroom, a glass wall, shower, marble mantles, uh, mantles rather. And uh, he goes on to describe some of the interior uh, to prove that he was, in fact, here, and we checked with Dick everything that he describes uh, was, in fact, the way the place was originally. So this ghost I saw in the basement was standing on the red-painted floor with his back to the stairs right at the last step. I will not give my name, but I had never believed in ghosts, and I say this is true and real. Someday I may come there again. We now reside in Alabama. And he gives sort of a code number down here, so if he ever shows up, Dick will know it's really him. Maybe he'll show up tonight. Gordon, does that sound like a familiar story from some of you have heard? Yes, indeed. In fact, Charles has been seen outside of the building. He's been seen on the street by the people who live in the neighborhood. Well, if he wants to get in here tonight, he better have a reservation. He better indeed. There's right. a guy out there. He's going to check his credentials at the door. <laughs> well, you know, upstairs where you're going later, there's another interesting story. Uh, the people in the neighborhood um, have seen from the third floor attic 
a strange face that peers out from time to time. It has a very animalistic look, they say, very much like a gorilla. Now, they have that por uh, portion of the upstairs boarded off, I think, and people ask me, is that to keep people out? I said, perhaps it's to keep people out or perhaps it's to keep something in. We're not exactly sure, but I believe you all are going to be going up there. Maybe they'll have that open tonight. Well, not you all. Uh, you all. Not we all. Not we all. You all. You, I saw in your satchel of things, along with Sam the Skull, had a, an Ouija board. You're going to try that out tonight? Well, I brought it along for anyone who would like to give it a try. Yes. All right. Well, we have some other people here that we're going to introduce you to, and uh, we'll just fill out this hour here. In the next hour, we'll take some questions, some comments, and we'll be moving around the house, talking to some of the people who have come to visit this evening, having a good time on this Halloween Eve, 1981. I'm Jim White. This is our Halloween Spooktacular, and we'll be right back. Fall is definitely here, and all those wonderful fall fashions are waiting for you at Sticks. And here comes the best part. Many of these head-turning looks are on sale Saturday during Sticks Baron Fuller's Saturday specials. Take 25% off the entire stock of Ralph Lauren Shetland sweaters and designer pants, and Abby Michael flannel and tweed blazers, just $45. Sticks has classic Pendleton coordinates for misses, a timely 25% off. A fresh selection of dressy and sporty blouses, a full one-third off. And for the juniors in town, Styx has the best when it comes to sweaters. Feminine trims, sporty stripes, and interesting textures. Just $20 to $40. Levi's corduroys for juniors, in great new colors, are on sale for $23. And making the fashion statement of the season, the shawl. Styx's entire stock of this indispensable accessory, now 25% off. See you Saturday. The fashion and savings will be waiting for you at Styx Baron Fuller. We are back at the Lemp Mansion with our assorted psychics and astrologers and photographers and clairvoyants. And we have somebody new to introduce this evening, somebody I haven't had the pleasure of meeting before this evening. Flo Kurz is with us, spiritual reader and advisor. Flo, how are you? I'm just fine, thank you. Good to have you with us this evening. Heard a lot about you, and uh, so this would be a good good place to meet. Well, thank you. You haven't really had much chance to circulate around the home yet this evening. No, but, but I uh, intend to. You, you meant you, the first thing you said to me when you walked in here is, "I feel that somebody was shot in this room." You, of course, didn't know it at the time, but uh, two people were shot right about where my hand is here now. Large. Uh -huh. You picked that up. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I also. Uh, picked up i hear a lot of screaming a lot of hollering a lot of disturbance and i feel like it's like downstairs more than upstairs mm -hmm. in in well this is a beautiful place that's all i got to say but it is haunted <laughs> what does that mean to you when you say haunted what do you well, mean by that um i want to say that uh, uh, a spirit is never left this earth it's it's uh, earthbound it, it doesn't want to leave this earth because it's not happy and it's it's what we call an earthbound spirit and they're here, believe me. <laughs> of course, we haven't checked with the proprietor yet to see if he wants to get rid of them. That's uh, uh, no, well, one of Debbie's specialties <laughs> there, but uh, we, we better check with Dick before we do anything tonight. We may run poor Charles off and... Uh, no, he's going to stay. He's going <laughs> to yeah, stay. Yeah, he's going to stay. <laughs> well, <laughs> Al Pechenek is also here from the Alchemist shop. Al, how's the Alchemist business? Selling uh, lots of uh, bat's wings and toad's tails and things? No, but we're getting some uh, rather strange requests for rhinoceros horns, golden dragons, and uh, chameleons and things like that. What do, you, what do you do with that? Smoke it or put it no, in the... These uh, are all aphrodisiacs. 
Oh, well, <laughs> didn't know you were running that kind of shop, Al. <laughs> most of the uh, most of the college kids are after it. Uh, they've been down down the zoo and everything else. Uh, some of the pleb things are going around nowadays. Mm-hmm. Or no, uh, we haven't gotten anything for bat wings yet, but I'm sure it'll come up tomorrow or the next day. <laughs> you uh, do maintain a pretty good inventory of weird things over there, right? Oh, yes, quite a few. Where, where are you located? Where's your shop located now? Sir? Where's your shop located? At tw- uh, In Overland, 2519, Woodrum Road. Uh, we and have uh, quite an inventory. I understand uh, that we are one of the largest shops in the United States, in Midwest. And I just took a trip down to uh, the Carolinas, and we're still the biggest I've ever come across. Where do you uh, go to buy some of these strange ingredients? Oh, uh, We buy them in uh, mostly Chicago, tech- well, all over the world. We get uh, herbals from uh, Africa to uh, England, South America. I've got a little kit uh, I call my care package from a witch doctor in, uh, in Africa in my briefcase here. What's it good? might be interesting what, to uh, what would that be good for? Well, there's a few things I won't even touch in there. But uh, they're <laughs> supposed to be good for as many things. You mean uh, if something untoward happens here tonight, you may have something in there to, to help us out? Yes. Well, we can probably get rid of anything you want. You brought uh, a number of cameras and uh, strange-looking devices with you this evening. What are you planning on doing with your cameras? You're going to take some, uh, what, ultraviolet, infrared? No, I'll be taking standard pictures tonight. Standard. I'll be taking a uh, regular dark, uh, in the dark, without flash, and a few with the flash. We're going to see what we can come up with in the differential on that. Now, normally, if there is something around in the ghost area or some uh, psychic phenomena, they will come out very fuzzy. Uh, this is always... This is... Uh, always happens in this way. If a person takes a norm, uh, has a normal camera, even your 110s, something like that, and you have a cobwebby effect on film, then you're bound to be have a power force or source around you, which is possibly that of a spiritual form. Now, you saw the photographs that were taken out at the 8-mile house or 11-mile house, wherever, how many miles? That was 3-mile house. With a Polaroid camera with Dr. Brodeur and... There was something beside him there. You saw those photographs. What? How do you explain that? There's really no explanation. Sometimes uh, we've gone through several houses where it, that had ghosts uh, from wall to wall, you might say. That would be the Blair House downtown. And we never got a thing. All the photographs were pure and clear. We could see many things and feel many things in there. We've gone through other houses. We haven't seen anything or felt anything. And we'll get a we'll get ghost photographs right now. Is this your first trip to the Lemp Mansion? No, this is actually the second time I was down here. How do you feel about this place? Yeah, well, I just walked in the door and haven't gotten too far, but I, I feel like I'm going to be very interested in the rest of the house. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to get to the second floor. We're going to get down to the basement. And incidentally, there are a couple of vaults back here. Uh, the, I don't know if you've seen the vaults yet or not, but they are actually steel walled concrete vaults uh, where Mr. Lemp kept apparently his money, or one of the Lemps kept their money in there. And they use it to store wine and booze and other valuable things now. But um, apparently there's been some activity back in there, too. So we'll check that out. Um, one of the more interesting rooms here, they have converted into the ladies' restroom. So, well, we have a few psychics who can go in there this evening. But now that I'm afraid we're going to have to get on the scene reports on that. But uh, still more people to introduce you to this evening. And in the next hour, they say, we'll be taking phone calls. We'll be moving around a little bit, uh, talking to some other people trying to get something shaking down here this evening. We're coming fairly close to the end of our first hour, but uh, we still have 10 minutes or so, and we'll be right back. Yet another of our group joins us here from the Opio 
UPIO, Unusual Phenomenon Investigation Organization. Uh, some call him Joe Palermo, some call him Count Christopher, some call him Count Dracula. And he's definitely dressed for the occasion this evening. How are you, Count? Pretty good. Doesn't Pretty good. Uh, you can talk okay <laughs> with your fangs, huh? Uh, they're beginning to slip a little bit, but I think I'll manage. That's right. I'll go away when the sun comes up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is the UPIO? UPIO, okay. As you said, Unusual Phenomena Investigative Organization. It's an organization that uh, began a few years ago, and that's when I got involved with it. And um, it's been, to say the least, slow <laughs> in the last few years. But basically what it is, it's... Uh, investigation into things that are unusual, into the phenomena, uh, parapsychological things, um, you know, spirits, UFOlogy, uh, Bigfoot, you name it, just about everything that's uh, unusual we're interested in. You know, a lot of times when people get involved in these things, um, now you just mentioned about every weird thing that there is. <laughs> uh, do you believe in all of these things, every one of them? Well, I've had... Uh, Experience, what I believe to be experience with uh, a Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and I believe that I've seen a UFO. Uh, spirits, I have yet to encounter. Uh, I don't know from what everybody else has been saying tonight, by me the night. Would you like to spend an hour in the attic by yourself? Well, let's see. Of course, the way you're dressed, you'd scare them away. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'd be brave enough by myself. Um, <laughs> That's really? usually the test. You know, you find people say, I don't believe in those things. Bill Little, would you go up there and spend a, an hour by yourself in the attic? I wouldn't spend an hour by myself anywhere tonight. I've, <laughs> I've seen too much. <laughs> believe me, people, this count really looks the part. I'm sitting here across from Bev and beside Gordon and that skull in front of me, a candle in front of me, and the count. And I'm worried. <laughs> I don't believe in this, no, but I'm worried. Mm-hmm. I do believe in the great pumpkin, but, uh... <laughs> well, you didn't wear your uniform tonight, though. Your backwards collar or anything like that. <laughs> I don't have that uniform, oh, Jim. I'm going to have to get one. I <laughs> will rent one next year. Gordon, uh, we just have a very few minutes remaining here, and, uh, before we come back and really get cranking in the next hour on phone calls and moving around the, the mansion here, see if we can get something stirred up. Uh, what are some of the other things that happened? I know you conducted a seance, a couple of seances here over the last couple of years, and what are some of the other well, things get, that happened here? Well, we got good, strong messages with the writing planchette, which we said is like a little table on a Ouija board with a pencil at the end of it, and they, it, it's a form of automatic writing. We also had some very strong table movement in, the, in this very room where they sat around a very heavy table, which incidentally had a picture of Falstaff, which was the library emblem before it was turned over to Falstaff. And the table ran all over the room. That was probably the ghost of Mr. Bush. I wouldn't be a big surprise. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it's a very interesting place, and, and there's, I don't think there's any question. In fact, the lady that is sitting behind me, and not, I'm not making this up because she just told me, she has the sensation of someone sitting in her lap, although I don't see anyone. On your left knee. Just my left knee. I, I always said that... That, that they like pretty girls, the both of them. So we're not exactly sure who it is, but Charles especially did. But he was way up in the 70s, right? The time of his demise. What, is, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. I have we're we're going to be there stuff. too someday, <laughs> I hope. Someday. The, uh, I had mentioned before uh, to one of our psychics about the fact that maybe we better check with the 
proprietor here before we shush any spirits away tonight. Uh, do you get the impression that uh, Charles wants to stay here? You know, many times we've talked in the past, the spirits are confused. They don't uh, realize in some cases they're dead or their mission is not accomplished. Do some of them just flat want to stay where they are? They Sure, why not? It's a nice place, and they got all these people coming in, and they can just kind of sit back and, and, and watch a passing parade and, and do people watching, you might say. <laughs> So you think it's altogether possible that if Charles is here, he doesn't? he's here because he wants to be? Sure. Why not? You know, I think so. Absolutely. Bevy, you've been shaking your head a couple of times recently. How, how do you feel about that? If, if Charles Lemp, in hmm. fact, uh, or a spirit or a whatever you want to call it, a ghost, is uh, wandering these hallways, um, can he be persuaded to go? Or in some cases, do they, in fact, want to stay? Well, I would say that in most cases, half the time that the investigation is being done, we discover that... Uh, in fact, the ghost doesn't even have any cognizance of the fact that we are there. He's living in his own time frame, like a videotape. And if there is a real ghost that is sentient, that knows you're there, yes, they almost always respond to uh, coercion. <clears throat> I would not call it an exorcism because I'm not qualified to do anything like that. But uh, we use a very simple technique of saying, hold out your hand and look for the light. And then when Dr. Kugler-Ross's book was published, it was kind of interesting, wasn't it, that uh, the people who are experiencing the death experience experienced a great light. <clears throat> Is it possible later, Gordon, you mentioned the table moving in here and so forth, that we could uh, get a select group and join hands around this table and... Uh... I would think that we could, sure. It's, it, it, it's a rather time-consuming thing, so they just have to sit and wait until something decides to be motivated, uh -huh. decides to move the table. But I, I don't see no reason why it wouldn't work. We're about out of time for this hour. We'll be back for three more hours for the Lemp Mansion, and I'll be back in the studio and do some more. Get your calls in early, because we're going to take some calls for the next hour. I'm Jim White. KMOX, St. Louis. Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular continues after this on KMOX. This is a special rebroadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. Ah, they're playing my song. <laughs> Welcome back to the Lemp Mansion. And uh, we're down here for our annual Halloween Spooktacular. We being me, who is Jim White, and we have our assorted psychics and clairvoyants and readers and preachers, and we've got a little bit of everything down here this evening and a lot more to come. We are going to take some phone calls uh, fairly soon here, so we invite you to join us. If you have a question for one of our uh, guests, one of our psychics, you have something to relate about uh, the Lemp Mansion, perhaps, or something in your own house that uh, doesn't seem quite right, or some experiences you may have had you'd like to share with us on our annual Halloween special, give us a call on 436-7900-St. Louis, 436-7900, area code 314. From Illinois, 3978-600. In Wood River, Alton, Granite City, Edwardsville, St. Charles, or Chesterfield, Enterprise 9808. Get your calls in now because we're going to be moving to those phones uh, shortly here. And uh, if the person that you want to talk to isn't right at the table, we can round them up. We've had uh, people up in the attic and down in the basement and several out roaming around the grounds. Uh, one of those uh, who was outside was Dave DeCristo, who is... Uh, who belongs to Phyllis, who we talked to earlier. Dave, good evening. How are you tonight? Fine, thank you. You, uh, you were outside wandering around a little bit, uh, checking out the grounds, as it were. Anything happening out there? 
I had a couple impressions. One was, um, I was at, looking at the tower, and I had impressions of someone, I guess you could say was closed in, in this tower, and perhaps, and witnessed something going in the stable, I guess it is. I had an impression that this person witnessed, uh, not necessarily a crime, but he witnessed um, something like an affair. He witnessed something that people didn't, they didn't want someone else to know about. And I, I felt anxiety from this gentleman, like as though he were closed up, couldn't leave this room, as though he were blocked in. I also picked up an impression of perhaps a future occurrence there, and I will talk to the owner about it later. Hmm. You won't tell us about it? <laughs> it could be a possible break-in. Huh. I was witnessing outside. A future break-in? Yes, a future. A failure, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Phyllis, you wandered around during the break. Anything else? Well, as we were outside there in the uh, courtyard, you know, it's all nice and bricked over. We were uh, found ourselves all looking up, and and I really didn't know what I was looking at, and yet we were all looking up, and it was like somebody else was looking back. <laughs> so when we came in, uh, we went to that room, and there's very definitely something going on in there. Hmm. Very definitely. Upstairs. Upstairs. Yes. Have, you, have you seen the portraits of uh, the limps yet, hanging on the walls? Here? I saw uh, a couple of them downstairs. Yes. Um, that you, doesn't. That I. I wasn't seeing anything or, or anything of that. Yeah. Nature. All. The, all the horror films always have something connected with the portraits of dead people. Is that. Is that just something the writers make up, or does that occasionally occur? Oh, maybe it does occur. It's never occurred to me, so I really wouldn't know anything other than what I've experienced. Mm -hmm. But uh, out in that carriage house. Uh, there's something not right. <laughs> there, I, uh, it's it's like, um, well, to give you an idea, my eyes first fell on something that said warning, and there's no reason for me to look at this small word that said warning, and I always use that as a clue that my subconscious is telling me something, and the feeling in the room is, is such that... Uh, Oh, like there are threats and that there is uh, uh, perhaps arguments or threats against someone like you don't belong here or don't do this or don't you dare or something of that nature. Mm -hmm. I can't really put now, my finger on it. Would, would the presence of all the sensitives and mediums and psychics and clairvoyants that we have here tonight, would that be upsetting to spirits normally? I really don't think so. Um, I think, as Bevy made aware, made you aware before, they're they're really not that aware of us. I've had experience before where I had an office and there was something going on every evening at a particular time, and there was nobody in the building but me or whoever was with me. And um, uh, we finally looked into that one, and they were not really aware that we're there. They were just going through the motions that they had been going through. You can gain their attention, and then then you have something to work with, yes. Let me give those phone numbers once again. 436-7900, St. Louis. 436-7900-314, long distance. Illinois, 3978-600, Enterprise, 9808. Phone lines are wide open. would like to talk with you. We... Uh, have people scurrying up and down steps, uh, in and out the doors, and uh, sitting down and getting up from our large table here, and we'll always have uh, some...
sort of collection of folks here to talk to, and I hope you'll talk to us on this Halloween Eve, 1981. We'll be right back. It's the Milnot moment. The moment your family bites into a tantalizing pumpkin pie. Not just any pumpkin pie, but one made with Milnot, so it's rich, smooth, creamy. Milnot even makes common recipes uncommonly good, like mashed potatoes and gravies. Milnot makes such a delicious difference that if cows could, they'd give Milnot. Take a few phone calls. Ron Barber, are you with us there? James, I'm right here, right with you. Incidentally, Ron, the uh, the prime rib was probably a little too rare for you this evening, so you really didn't miss too much. You bring me some food or you're doing the calendar by yourself. How about a hard roll? <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> we'll see if we can get a cure package together, Ron. All right, James. All right, let's take a few calls. Very good. We have some interesting ones on the line already, Jim. You're on the air on the Spooktacular. All right, I want to tell you this. 1946, right after when I heard you talk about Mr. Lemp, I, Mr. Lemp came to our place because he loved bulb stock. We had a greenhouse, and he loved daffodils, highest gypsophilia. And I will never forget it. He, he would come all the time. He was not married, and he lived in Kirkwood. He moved out. He said his father lived in St. Louis. Is this right? Would this be right? That his father lived in St. Louis? Yeah. I don't know. It, where you are right now. Oh, okay. At the you know, he killed, he killed And he was never married. But it struck me so funny because I had to call you. And so one time, because he loved flowers and he was a recluse, and he would never let anybody in his house. So he had this wood station wagon, and he always wore the knickers. And hmm. he was only about five foot two. But he would always come because he wanted to go in the bulb cellar in those days. And what he, year was this? In uh, right after the war, because okay. we were the only ones that got the Holland, Holland bulbs. You know, Charles Lamp was and a anyway, short man. anyway, it struck me so funny. Just everything you said tonight came back to me. He said, I want you. He said, I love flowers. And I've never asked anybody, but I want you to come. You bring me a load of flowers down. We had a wood station wagon. It was right after the war. I said, okay. Okay, thank you and very much. he asked me in there, and I can't explain it, but just the things that you have been saying really came back to me because he said about, you know, you could sense it, and I do think, and I think this is right, that it was his father that killed himself. And he never, ever talked about it, but every week we knew exactly when that he, he drove that same wood station when we had one, the wood one, the night right after the war, but his was before the war, and that's okay. how old, and he would never, everything in this home, I can't tell you this room that I went into, it, it was just like what you were saying, and Dick Pointer's uh, aunt was with me. Okay, thank you very much for calling. Well, that well could have been. It's that... 
that uh, uh, he's talking about the flowers because when we were coming back from the carriage house, I didn't want to walk through that one area that I'd walked through before, and so I took a shortcut across the grounds, and David said, be careful of the flowers, but we were in the grass. Hmm. There's no flowers there right now. Oh, so David, you saw flowers <laughs> on the grass where there weren't any flowers on the grass? <laughs> matter speaking. <laughs> All right, another call, Ron. And you're on the air. Hello. For the same company that Billy Lamp Jr. did. Would you like to know a few things? Okay. I mean, they're good. Hello? Yeah, yep. go ahead, ma'am. Uh, was that lady talking about Billy Lemp Jr. that never was married? Yes. Yeah, well, he never was married. But he, uh, now, we worked for an insurance company, uh, insurance company that I worked for. Billy, uh, the Lemp bought it out, and we moved down to the Pierce Building. And uh, uh, Charlie Lemp was the president, and I cannot remember the vice president's name, but Billy Lemp Jr. was treasurer and Sam Parks was secretary. Now, Billy Lemp Jr.'s uh, secretary sat right in front of him, and I sat in front of the secretary of the company. And her name and my name were except, uh, the same, except that her started with a T and mine was an F. And every time he'd call her, I, I'd look back, I'd think he was calling me, see? Well, anyway, and then he had a, he used to drive, now this was in the uh, 19, oh, I'd say about 1923, 24. Now, I'm going on 79, so you know I'm not lying. And uh, I, I, we didn't have any buses at that time, and I used to, I lived down South St. Louis, and I took the streetcar down. And I changed this, uh, we were in the Pierce building then, see? And uh, Billy Lemp would sometimes, he picked me up if he was passing at that time. Hello? Yeah, okay, yeah, thank you very much for that story. Incidentally, uh, Ron, I understand we have a gentleman who joins us every year waiting on the wings right now on the phone. Dr. Brodeur, I believe. Definitely do. Hello, Dr. Bro. Hello, Jim. How are you? Where are you? Uh, Jim, I, you won't believe this. Uh, Probably Ron, not, but go ahead. You won't believe it. I, I, left, I left my home in Huntley and started toward your place, and here I am in Fort Worth, Texas, and I don't know how to... <laughs> here I <laughs> No, seriously, I, I'm down here with an AMA meeting, and then just incidentally, I, uh, th there's a physician here from Columbus, Georgia, and he pronounces it a little different than that, Georgia, I think he says. And he said, you're KMOX. I said, yeah. See, we're, we're at a media conference. He said, there's a fellow named Jim White. I said, I never heard of him. <laughs> He said, you tell him I hear him after midnight in Columbus, Georgia, and I think KMOX is the best station in the country. You know, I agreed with him. Buy that man a drink for me. Yeah. Jim, how's it going up there? Well, we are uh, have our usual crew assembled, and they're wandering it, outside and upstairs and is, downstairs. Is, is Beverly there? Beverly? Well, she's not right at the table right now. Yeah, well, I, you know, I have a problem, because fr from a distance I see things differently than when I'm there with you, and I'm, I'm sure sorry I'm not... Uh, have you been in the catacombs yet? No. Uh, we probably won't get in there tonight. They're jam-packed here, and uh, we've been invited back another time, and okay. you may join us on that one. Well, I sure will, because there's something about, about the number seven, the seventh brick or the seventh stone, and I've got to be there to see if I, I sure want Bev there. Well, let's see, Gordon, you stated before that uh, you got the impression, or Charles Limp in the seance gave the impression of money, right? Yes. Uh, greetings, Armand. Greetings, Gordon. How are you? Just great. You know, I don't, really, I, I get a feeling tonight that I didn't get when I was close by with you people. And I, I, I feel terrible because I, I even changed my reservations to be there early tomorrow night, not realizing it was scheduled for tonight. I'm sorry I missed you. Well, 
you know, you were talking about uh, the, the catacombs. We were looking forward to getting down there, not tonight, but in the future. Yes. And uh, in the um, uh, previous messages that we've received, supposedly from uh, Charles, yes. uh, there might be money down there. So you're looking for a particular brick. Yes, I'm looking for number seven. It's the seventh brick as you enter or the seventh brick up, and I'm not sure which. Well, we'll, 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 you'll be back by the time we're able to go down there and we'll I, verify I for yes, you. Yes, and you know, you, you understand that my role is that of a disclaimer, but I, I, don't, know, I don't know what I'm, I'm going to have to play well, as I see, feel it. See, with you not here tonight, I'm getting away with all sorts of things. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it puts Jim in a very awkward spot because there's only one legitimate person outside himself, and that's myself, you yes. see. I guess we should qualify you, Armand, that in, a, in addition to being uh, uh, with the Children's Hospital and your capacity there, I I don't remember the exact title now. Well, I, the title I want to go by tonight, though, is Physician Magician, you know? Physician Magician, but yeah. you are also a magician, and you usually join us in yes. order to, yes. to make sure that there is no trickery or hanky-panky involved with anything that might occur. Well, if, if, if you'll recall that the last time we were together, and Jim uh, did make mention of the fact that a couple of things moved, at least someone thought they moved, it was my job to discount all of the usual underhanded little things that we magicians do by natural means, and I can assure you that none of those things were present. But, Armin, you never did explain that second image on that photograph we took of you in the basement. Well, you know, Jim, I still have that. Uh, I still have that image at the office, and I keep it there to remind myself uh, that, that there were some things in this life that even I don't understand with all of my smugness, you know. I, that, <laughs> that still, Jim, it's on that photo, and you know it is. There's something on there. Is there something going on tonight that I don't know about? Well, nothing that we know. Incidentally, Bill Little is here sort of holding up your end of the deal, uh, sort of our uh, legitimatizer. Okay. And he's upstairs right now uh, talking with uh, who knows whom. Yes, uh, yes. Perhaps, perhaps Charles himself. But uh, thus far, nothing. We're going to, uh, we have mobility this year, so we're going to be wandering around a bit later, but we're taking some phone calls now and all right. uh, talking with a lot of folks. And I want to thank you for checking in all the way from Fort Worth. I appreciate well, it. I, Sorry I couldn't be here. I, I am too, Jim. Okay, but when we come back down to explore the catacombs, yep. uh, you will come with us, okay? I, I sure promise, and, and, and thanks for everybody in St. Louis. Doctor, thank you. My pleasure. Goodbye. All right. We're uh, fast approaching about 21 and a half minutes, 22 minutes before the hour. And we're at the Lemp Mansion Restaurant for the annual Halloween Spooktacular. We have some calls waiting. If you're not on the line, get there on 436-7900-St. Louis, Illinois, 3978-600, and we'll be right back. Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular continues after this on KMOX. Happy Halloween. This is a special broadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. Well, kind of sounds like some of the noise we get on Thursday nights, Bill Little. <laughs> In the heat of battle. And I know just about as much how to respond to that as I do some of those noises on Sunday night, on uh, Thursday night. Well, we have some more calls waiting, and Ron, let's take a few. All right, James, you're on the spooktacular. Hello. Hello Hi. there. Am I on now? Hello. Hello there. Go ahead. Hello. Ma'am, just turn your radio down and go ahead. Hello. 
No, my radio's off. Well, go ahead, please. Well, uh, everyone's talking about the Mr. Limp who all shot themselves in the mansion. Now, as a young woman, I worked in a bank, and Mr. Limp was the director of the bank. And his secretary called one day, and she was very excited and asked to, the pre to talk to the president of the bank. And she said, oh, Mr. Charlie Limp just shot himself. She said, I took dictation, and I closed his office door, and I heard the shot, and I turned around and opened the door, and he was slumped over his desk. Now, I, no one has mentioned that he was shot at the bank, that he killed himself at the bank. Charles Lemp shot himself in the bank. Okay, that's... Uh, that the information we had was that Charlie uh, Lemp shot himself in the basement uh, here. Oh. Mm -hmm. No, this was... I'm sure it was Charlie Lemp that, that she talked... that was her boss, you know, at the brewery. Okay, thank you. Of course, at the time, this was the office here. Um, so maybe that's where the confusion comes in. Debbie, that would uh, correspond with something you said earlier, that uh, you didn't get the feeling right in that corner, but apparently there was a desk there. Yeah, I had a feeling that some large piece of furniture might very well have been in that corner, mm -hmm. because the so-called so classic cold spot is about four, five, four and a half feet off from the wall. You've been out running around with a flashlight, obviously. What have you been up to? trying to keep from breaking my leg. What a fascinating house. When are we coming back? <laughs> you outdid yourself this time, Jim. Incidentally, you may have noticed the lights have been dimming down and flickering and blinking back on. They have had electricians down here three different times trying to find out why, and they're, the wiring is sound. Well, we had no lights at all upstairs, which is why the flashlight, but uh, we have some poltergeist activity going on upstairs. Uh, older guys, Doctor, what, what's going uh, on? One of the rooms uh, has been trashed, and uh, this was being observed by two of the members of the group uh, in the dark. Trashed? And the lights... what, what do you mean, trashed? Trashed is when you go in and just throw everything galley west. You know. Well, things I mean, are flying about? Yeah, and, I mean, this isn't even my team. I mean, <laughs> these are people who... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Flo, come on over here and sit down for a second. Uh, Flo was one of the uh, ones who was up there when the room was trashed. That's a, that's a term I hadn't heard before. Flo, uh, yes. what, what happened up there? Well, uh, first of all, uh, we went into. We tried to get into this room. We couldn't get into it, so Art says, I'm going to push it, and he pushed, and he pushed his big chest away, and as we walked in there, there was a, a light flashing at us or just kind of shining at us, and all of a sudden, we seen two people in that bed, and we heard somebody at the door at the other side, and... They couldn't get in, and I said, Art, just walk over there and open that door. And I think Terry Engel was behind me at that time, and she said, the door won't open. I said, just walk over there and open that door, and he did. <laughs> they said they didn't know how he did it. Hmm. And in the meantime, there was two, two people in, in the bed up there. And it was very, very strange. And I got a message from a lady that's in Lavender. She told me she was drugged. She told me that she's been in, in drinking a lot of liquor. And she told me that she don't know why he did it. And I put my hand out to her and asked her why he did what, and she said why he committed suicide. So I have no idea who the lady was to him. Wow. I figure a friend, but she's there. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be going up there later. Maybe, maybe. We just might get too busy down here. I'm not sure yet. Let's take another call, Ron. And you're on KMOX. Yeah. I lived in the left, left house in the middle 50. And uh, I never, I never knew it was uh, haunted at the time I was living there. I'm glad of that. And I never, um, never was afraid there. I lived there for about three or four months. 
You lived in the Lent uh, Mansion? A lawyer in South St. Louis owned uh, the Lent Estate at the time. Okay, thank you very much. We've had uh, in the past few weeks several calls from people who live in the neighborhood now or who have lived here in the past uh, report the same thing about looking up at the windows and seeing somebody looking back out. This was when the house was totally unoccupied and boarded up. And um, that lavender lady, there was a famous lavender lady of South St. Louis. Um, we've heard stories about her before, uh, wandering around down in these parts. I'd never heard of her, heard of her being uh, attached to this house in any way before. Betty? Uh, the middle room on the opposite side from where we are sitting right now, in other words, it would be directly over the bar. There's a very strong female uh, presence in there. There's not, uh, no male attitude to it at all. And uh, I would say that if anything is is or has been in there, it's not a male. Now, I did not see any, any lady in lavender. I'm just telling you that's what I feel. Hmm. It's, incidentally, many of you may have noticed the uh, piano in the background, uh, some fine sounds of music, and uh, we'll be talking to that gentleman just a little bit later. We're going to really shift gears with that one because that is the piano artistry of Johnny Johnson, who, if you recall from back in the golden era of rock and roll in the 50s and 60s, Chuck Berry, and the song Johnny Be Good, which was written about Johnny Johnson, who's playing piano here. And uh, it's a story that I'll let Johnny tell himself later, but basically it was that uh, his lead guitar player, Johnny Johnson's lead guitar player, when he was playing over on Del Mar, was late one too many times for the job. And there was a young kid hanging around there that always had his guitar in the box ready to go. And uh, one night, Johnny Johnson said, well, kid, let's see if you can play. And he got out his guitar, and that young kid was Chuck Berry. And that was the beginning of a pretty fantastic career. And all the big hit recordings by Chuck Berry uh, featured Johnny Johnson on the piano, and he's here tonight playing. And uh, we'll talk to him a little bit later about some of that, too. Not uh, that that's spooky or anything, but while he's here, we might as well grab him. Ron, if you have another call waiting, let's take it. Very good, sir. You're on the air. Am I on the air? Well, I lived in that neighborhood when I was a child, and I can tell you who the lavender lady was. She was one of the Lemp's wives. Now, which one, I don't know. But there were two Lemp's shot themselves in that home. I can remember this. And William J.'s son did live in Kirkwood. And they also had a mansion out off of Kennedy Road that is still there, and it's being run by a lady who t sells antiques. Now, I remember uh, one of the Lemps riding horses up Cherokee Street to their home. At that time, it was on 13th Street. And I know the lavender lady, I've seen her in a carriage when I was a kid, uh, coming, well, I don't go sh shopping or something. She wore a large hat with a lavender veil yes, that tied a with on. a big bow in the front. Now, that every, she was known as the lavender lady in those days. She's also got a brooch on her dress. So, that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Large. Well, uh, Flo, it just occurred to me you are wearing all lavender this evening. Why? I don't know. The spirits just told me to wear purple or something, and I did. <laughs> it seems like I fit in. <laughs> I guess so. Ron, another call. May we have your question, please? Yes. Uh, are there any uh, living descendants of the uh, Lemp family living? And if so, do you know if they live in St. Louis? And also, do, are, do you know who was vice president of the brewery when Charles Lemp was president? Okay, that I do not know. Dick Pointer is not with us right now. I'll jot these questions down and ask him when we get back together with him in a few minutes. Ron, another one? And you're on the spooktacular? Yeah, I, it's a very good coincidence. Uh, 
we're invited to a society wedding down at the Lamp Mansion next Saturday. Right. At uh, about 9 o'clock. And uh, guess who is going to be there? Two of the Bush boys are going to be in the wedding party. Huh. And uh, this is going to be, uh, and I think Jim White ought to come down here because it'll be, uh, see what happens when uh, Augie Bush's two boys will probably Augie will be down here too. <laughs> yeah, that, that might be quite a happening if uh, the ghost of Charlie Lamp is still floating and the uh, Bush family shows up at the door. That's, uh, <laughs> that could be interesting. Okay, I'll tell you what, we're going to uh, pause here for just a moment and invite our listeners to join us on 436-7900-St. Louis, Illinois 3978-600, Enterprise 9808. We have yet another guest at the table here, and we'll introduce him and take more calls when we come back right after this. And the spectacular from the Lemp Mansion Restaurant will continue after the news. Good morning, John McCormick speaking, and here's the news early Saturday of the Gateway City, the Show Me State of Missouri, and the land of Lincoln. The board of directors of the Human Development Corporation have voted to terminate 180 employees furloughed the 16th of October. The board said lack of anticipated federal funding under the Community Services Block Grants is the reason for terminations. The board said of the total 201 positions formerly supported by the Community Services Funds, 21 will remain, 36 new positions will be created. They said former employees will have first preference at the newly created positions. Missouri State Representative Fred Lynn wants the legislature to outlaw what he called the repulsive business of selling imitation drugs. The look-alike drugs, better known as kitty dope, contain substances such as caffeine, which are legal and are sold at regular stores. But some are repackaging substances, giving them exotic names, advertising them as substitutes for controlled substances. Lynn said the state has no law to deal specifically with the problem, so the Springfield lawmaker is going to introduce a bill in the 1982 session, making it a felony for a business to sell the lookalikes. Twenty-eight people were hospitalized yesterday after sulfur dioxide was spilled at the McKesson Chemical Company plant. Branch manager for McKesson, Ron Bratcher, said the chemical was being unloaded from a railroad tank car when a hose broke. He said the leak was stopped quickly. No McKesson employees were affected by the fumes. However, winds blew them north, and they were inhaled by employees of Techstar Automotive Distribution Company, Incorporated. Most have been treated and released. Five suspects are being sought in the ambush shooting of a farmer who was mistaken for a labor official. Warrants were issued yesterday charging the five, two escaped prisoners, and three women with first-degree assault in the shooting of Davis Haas, a Phelps County farmer. Missouri Highway Patrol Lieutenant Anthony Weissman said the ambush was set up for Harold Red Sims, business manager of Laborers Local 840 in Rolla. Sims formerly was an official of Laborers Local 42 in St. Louis, but was muscled out in 1965 by reputed mobster Lewis Shoulders. Shoulders was killed in a car bombing in 1972. Sims was questioned in that killing. Weissman said Haas and Sims live near each other outside of Rolla. Haas had been driving a white pickup on a country road about a quarter of a mile in front of Sims, who also had been driving a white pickup. Authorities have speculated the assailants mistook Haas for Sims and fired two shots from a high-powered rifle, striking Haas in the chest. Currently, the 27-year-old farmer remains in intensive care at Furman Deloge Hospital here in St. Louis. Fugitive warrants of a federal nature are being sought against the five suspects. And news of the land of Lincoln via the wild blue yonder. Eight crew members, including a Sparta, Illinois man, were killed yesterday when an Air Force B-52 crashed in the southeastern Colorado prairie and exploded. 
The Air Force said the eight-engine jet had been on a low-level training fight, eliminating a bombing run. Among the crewmen killed was Captain Stanley Edelman of Sparta. Edelman was electronics warfare officer on the flight. So now you know, and via radio. And the sports page of Saturday, all basketball in the hardboard courts of the NBA. Spurs ripped the Kings 113-102, Utah Jazz 105, the Mavericks 89. Nuggets 134, Warriors 121, Pistons 118, the Bucks 113. Celtics 124, Bullets 100, Pacers 96, the Bulls 94. 76ers 128, the Cavaliers 104, Knicks, Nick the Nets 103-99. Trailblazers 103, Suns 95, and the Rockets 113, Lakers 112. For the enormous sports expertise of Bob Benchwarmer Burns. Airborne with his sports open line at 12.15. At 1 o'clock, college football. We take you to Columbia where the Tigers of Missouri host the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Dan Kelly and Bill Wilkerson call the action beginning at 1. Immediately following the football broadcast, there'll be a sports showcase with Bill Hazen. And from 6 until 8 o'clock tonight, Bill Hazen and Howard Balzer get together for a sports open line. 8 o'clock, the fastest game on ice. The Blues will be hosting the Kings at the Checker Dome. Dan Kelly and Gus Kyle call the action, getting underway at 8. And to the weather forecast for greater St. Louis vicinity for Halloween. Calling for it to be cloudy with a possibility of showers today and a high temperature in the upper 60 range. Periods of rain are likely tonight and tomorrow. Low tonight in the upper 40s and a high tomorrow in the upper 50s. Possibility of rain 40% today and 70% tonight. Temperature at the moment officially at Lambert St. Louis International Airport 54. Relative humidity 97%. The wind southeast at 6. Barometric pressure indicating 30 and 2400 inches and steady. Partly cloudy 54 degrees. And in just an hour we'll be taking you over to Moonbeam Ballroom. But right now it's time for Jim White to speak with spooks. So speak Jim. A tough act to follow. John has some great stories for you later, and I've got one coming up too. From Jim White in his Halloween Spooktacular continues after this break on KMOX. Well, we're back. The Lent Mansion. And this is our, I don't know how many this makes, spectacular. And there go the lights flickering again. Ed Cleary has just joined us. He's been here all evening, but uh, he's been poking around up and down the steps in and outside the house. Ed, what's going on? What do you, uh, what do you find? Well, I think this is a very busy house. Uh, a lot of energy is floating around tonight. Um, the house is pretty active as far as uh, uh, our abilities are able to pick up. Uh, for instance, there is one room that... Uh, uh, I walked into that seemed to be painted a different color and uh, right behind me was um, our uh, my teacher and good friend Bevy Jagers also picked up a painting or a mural that had been painted in this room or maybe behind one of the walls. Hmm. Now that's interesting because I know over in the bar over in the right as you come in directly across from us uh, there is a mural now on the ceiling that wasn't there before it was there but it was under several other coats of paint and uh, Dick and his dad and some of his brothers and sisters uh, painstakingly took that off square inch by square inch and restored it. So it's altogether possible that whatever is behind whatever they painted it with is still there, the mural, the... Uh, uh, but it's done in beautiful oils and it can be restored and that's what they're slowly doing throughout this whole house. 
Also, too, is uh, in one of the rooms there is a a perfume-like smell when you walk immediately when you walk into it. And many of the uh, I don't think you were supposed to be in that room. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> um, many of the other people in the group have also noticed it as soon as you walk into the room. Um, there's also other areas that uh, stimulate the um, psychic nature, and uh, as far as uh, being uh, energized with certain types of energy in the South. Very, very active, extremely active. All right, Ron, if you have some more phone calls, let's take another one. May we have your question for Jim White? Yes, I had a, a question for Flo Kurz. Mm-hmm. She said something earlier about hearing screaming and yelling downstairs. And I, I've had dinner at lunch, and I want to know what she means. <laughs> well, I think there was a lot of uh, torture or something down at one time, like slavery or something down in there. I see, um, I haven't been in directly down there, but I see slaves or some kind of a torture to their servants or something at one time. Hmm. Uh-huh. I don't, is this Sunny Powers? <laughs> no, they, they can't hear you on that end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, Ron, another call. Yeah, You're on the air. Hello. Yes. Yes. Uh, listen, I'd like to ask Jim White if he could have one of the people there explain something to me about the house where I'm living. I've lived here 30 years off and on, and when my parents first bought this place 30 years ago, I had a terrible feeling on the second floor. Now, the first floor in the basement is fine. I'm very comfortable. But I can't go on the second floor because I feel like somebody is trying to push me down the steps. Nobody else in the family has ever felt this, and they've made fun of me for years. But I still have the same feeling today. Hmm. Betty, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I wish we could have kept her on the line because we'd ask her where she lives. Sounds like a house we know very intimately. All right, if our engineer is still speaking to us, let's take another call, Ron. You're on the spooktacular. Okay. Jim? He's listening. Um, Jim, uh, isn't there another lamp, Edwin, or Edward, that you haven't mentioned? You mean uh, who committed suicide? Ask us that, Ron. Uh, another, uh, another lamp who committed suicide, ma'am? No, I don't think he did, but he liked to show people. My father-in-law worked for him at the lamp brewery. Okay, don't know. We'll have to check with, uh, with Dick on that. And tell you what, we're just about out of time for this hour of the program. I think we're going to start the next hour from upstairs. We're all going to go up there and get positioned with flashlights and uh, whatever else we have and do uh, a little bit from up there. Then we'll come back down here and take more phone calls. If you're on the line, please stay there, and we'll be back for 10, 11, 12, two more hours from the Lent Mansion, then three more from down there on KMOX St. Louis. Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular continues after this on KMOX. This is a special rebroadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. And at this time, we're up in the 
I guess we're up in the tower, what appears to be the round tower from outside. And uh, we have a select group up here with us right now. Everybody else downstairs partying and carrying on. Uh, Gordon Hayner, um, you were just saying with this day we could do a little table lifting or whatever with this particular table. What, uh, I suppose maybe I should ask Dick Pointer about this, but what about this room? What about this section of the house? Anything, anything happening up here that you detect? No, not so much as in the area adjacent to this on the other side of that wall, the part that they've got boarded up. And Dick won't tell me whether they've got that boarded up to keep people out or to keep something in. He just won't tell me. Well, let's, we'll go over and check on this. <laughs> okay, Dick, now, the thing is that Flo stated before when she was up here, she felt screaming or crying or some type of carrying on going on behind that boarded door. Now, what room is that? What's behind there? Well, that, uh, this entire attic area was used as servants' quarters. Uh, hasn't been used since 1922, since uh, uh, William committed suicide. Uh, the strange thing about this upstairs uh, is, like, well, we passed the area where the dog, my dog, would not enter anymore. Uh, the people that lived here before, up here in this area, were all servants, and this was uh, the select maid area. They had servants' quarters outside, but the select servants' uh, maids for the inside lived up on this uh, top floor. And I had had a seance up here in 1976, right after I bought the house with some people, some friends of mine, that uh, were very much into psychic phenomena. And when Gordon did his seance back in, oh, I guess three years after that, I didn't have the heart to tell him about our, uh, what I thought was futile effort, except the coincidence behind it is Gordon came up with exactly the same things that we had come up with three years earlier, which, uh, to say the least, was quite a coincidence. It, uh, it shocked me that, uh, when he came up with exactly the same things that we came up with. And since then, we've closed off that attic area where we had that seance, and uh, it's all sealed now. Okay, is this ultimately the whole house going to be part of the restaurant when you're done? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what we'll do with the uh, third and fourth floor. We're on the fourth floor now. Uh, We've got to work on the next floor. We've been doing it one, uh, we've got two floors open now. I'm not real sure what we'll do with these other two floors. Okay, I'm gonna uh, walk over and talk to Flo for just a moment. And uh, Flo, what were the impressions that you received when you came up here a little while ago? I, at one time I felt like that door wasn't there or something and I seen a lady sitting in a chair. Uh, now I'm going way back sometime. I believe this was like a maybe a particular room to her or something at one time. And, and uh, it's an old antique chair of some sort. It's got like, I would call them like wings on the side or something, and she's sitting in that, and she liked this room very much. Now, in the hallway, I hear crying. Now, Gordon, weren't you telling me that there were stories that uh, they were keeping someone locked in up here? A, you're not sure what it was? Well, it's never been verified. There's a theory, and Dick can correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a, a theory that some one of the lamps, perhaps, or possibly servants or whatever, some mixture of the two, produced uh, a child which was a monstrosity. And it was theoretically kept locked in that particular area, and there were people walking by the house outside who claimed that they saw something, a face, very ape-like, that, that was looking out of that particular window, that faces out on the street. Hmm. Now, that, that story has been repeated by several people called. We're just joined by another psychic up here. Mama Lil uh, has joined us. Boy, that was a long walk for you, wasn't it? Yes, it sure was. Well, you've had an opportunity to wander up and down the three floors of the mansion. Um, in your opinion, uh, what your impressions as a psychic, as a clairvoyant, uh, have you felt anything?
anything unusual in here tonight? Oh, there's many things going on. Many. Uh, evil things, good things, ordinary things, what kind of things? Good and bad. Mostly bad. Are these impressions of bad things that have happened here in the past or evil presences? Well, I got the impression 25, as far back as 125 years ago that it started. Hmm. Mama Lil just finished a successful season as sort of the resident psychic out of Six Flags. I understand you're going to be going out to Las Vegas now to uh, do a tour at the Aladdin, right? Aladdin, and then we're going to Texas. And I'm going to be appearing at the College of Pharmacy November the 23rd to compete with all the psychics. I'm going to try to get 100 readings at one sitting to get into the Book of Guinness. Well, if you make that... Uh You'll be a regular on my program, I can assure you of that. There has, never, there has never been any psychic that has been in the world book, and I'm going to try for it very much, so. We wish you well. Tell you what, group, why don't we just sort of start wandering back downstairs and um, see what happens as we walk back down the steps here. Let's see, where's my flashlight? That's one thing I do not want to wander around this house without. <laughs> Okay, we're uh, going to walk down. Flo, uh, where'd Flo go? Okay, Flo's up. Boy, this is a uh, bad set of steps here. And uh, Flo, if you, uh, if you feel anything or detect anything as we wander down this spiral staircase, this thing out, and uh, this is the landing here where Dick... This is where, the dog, uh, this is where the dog would stop and wouldn't go any further, and it's a Doberman Pinscher in the spirit world. Uh-huh. You, you feel his spirit is still oh, there? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. He watches these steps. Uh-huh. He don't like all these people going up and down. Hmm. Well, I haven't heard him growl yet, but, uh, <laughs> well, we're going to kind of wander on down. We're just on the second floor landing right now. How about this floor, Flo? Anything happening uh, in here? Wait, we're going to go over and visit with a lavender lady, wherever she might be. Another, uh... Okay, boy, we have quite a crowd in here, and, uh... Over to the, where the Lavender Lady is. All right. We're walking across the second floor. This uh, home is just unbelievably large, uh, deceivingly large. From the outside, it doesn't look uh, quite this big, but uh, let's see. We're wandering in here where the Lavender Lady was supposed to be. She held your hand before. Where is she sitting? In this chair? Okay, we'll put the light out and... We're not going to hurt you. Let's talk to us. We're not going to hurt you, dear. She says, why did he do it? Why did he do it? I didn't do it. <laughs> I think she's talking about one of the Limp brothers uh, committing suicide. I feel like she was attached to him at one time. Alcohol. I hear alcohol and drugs. She doesn't know her. Her head is swaying. She doesn't know it. She, she said there's alcohol and drugs. Now, whether or not she's on him or not, but she said... I hear her mostly saying, Jim, why did he do it? Jim White? <laughs> Jim, why did you do it, Jim? <laughs> you didn't mean Boy, it. I'll tell you what, I think we're going to go back downstairs where it's a little more comfortable. But as I say, just room after room after room in this home. I don't know how many total, but uh, here we go with our flashlight picking our way through the whoops. Stumbling over various building materials here. And there was a... Okay, we're going to wander back on downstairs now, and I'll tell you what, while we do that, Ron, we're going to kick it back to the studio for a commercial break, and pick up where we left off, and if people would like to join us on the phones, call 436-7900-3978-600, 436-7900-3978-600.
card come up, but uh, we'll give the phone numbers once again, 436-7900-St. Louis for Illinois, 3978-600 Wood River, Alton, Granite City, Edwardsville, St. Charles, Chesterfield, Enterprise, 9808. And let's see, Flo is here with us, and Bill Little is still here. Bill, were you wandering around upstairs with us, or did no, you stay down here? I stayed down here this time, Jim. I'd been up there before, but uh-huh. my legs hurt when did I got to the top of the stairs. Can you, I couldn't, you know, what's impressive is how large this house really is. Oh, kind of, I mean, it really looks like a large house on the outside. Yeah. When you get up there and start wandering around those corridors and stairways, it's yeah, huge. I was amazed at the size of it, really. Yeah. Up and down. All right, are we ready to take some calls? Did, uh, did, you, did you find any activity going on up there, Jim? No, uh, Flo stood there talking to the lavender lady right in front of my very face, but I have and to admit I did not see the lavender lady. Oh, the only lavender lady I saw was Flo, and she's wearing lavender. Maybe she was looking in a mirror. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Uh, are we ready to take some calls? Okay, Ron, let's go to the phones again. Very good, James, and you're on the spooktacular. Uh, I was first uh, attracted to this uh, Limp family in a, a supplement to the uh, Post-Dispatch in 1973, written by uh, Don Cricklaw of uh, UMSL. And uh, it's a very good uh, uh, history of the family. Uh, for instance, uh, he t- says that uh, the Lavender Lady was uh, married to William Ju- Jr. Limp, William Limp Jr. in uh, 1899. She was the former Miss Lillian Hanlon, daughter of a wealthy manufacturer of railroad supplies. And they were parted in 1909. She lived to be... Uh, I think it was uh, 80, died in 1960. Uh, and uh, as for Edwin, uh, he separated from the family uh, very early and had nothing to do with the family or the brewery and built a place out in Kirkwood mm-hmm. called Craigwald. Okay. Uh, I was so fascinated by this article, I had to read it three times in a row, and I, don't, I still don't understand it. I, I went down to the brewery to take a look at that the next day, and uh, I was amazed. It looks like it could open for business tomorrow. I was wondering what the future of that brewery is. Okay, thank you, sir, for calling. It's for sale, for one thing, or for lease. I saw the signs. It's uh, about a block from here. And uh, as I understand, I was talking with Dick Pointer about a week ago. He said it really does look like it could be open for business tomorrow inside. So if anybody wants to start a brewery... Uh, it's ready to go. <laughs> Again, there's uh, the ca- the caverns under here connect with the brewery and many other places. Bev, I know you've been working for a long time uh, on the caverns under this area, and uh, you were I think, telling me the other day that, so far as you know, there was no comprehensive map of the caves of this this part of the country from downtown all through the South St. Louis area. That's right. Uh, in process of what I was doing, I talked to the Streets and Roads Bureau, I talked to the Surveyors Department, to the Army Corps of Engineers, to the Missouri Historical Society, uh, to every authority, and they all had different maps. No one map showed all of the caves 
all of the ponds. We're, we're sitting over uh, where exactly where your building is. Uh, you're undermined right there, one South Memorial. And there are two ponds, Bequeeds Pond and another one, and uh, several rivers, four quarries, uh, two or three underground railroads and caves. <laughs> In fact, a friend of mine that lives down here on Park, just a few blocks away, is part of the uh, connecting system that runs all the way to the river and was part of the Underground Slave Railway in the uh, 19... Uh, in 19... Gee, hmm. been a long day. In the 1840s, yeah. And they would bring them up by river and then uh, up through the caves. Exactly. They land them down on the riverbank and they take them right in there and the entrance was through the uh, second basement. And then they would be comfortably housed there until they could be taken on further north. So you definitely would like to get down in those caves too. Oh yes, this has been such been an ambition of mine all my life to be able to explore most of this. The Cherokee caves, of course, are not far from here either. And within my lifetime, those were still visible, mm -hmm. if not accessible. Well, this is this system under here would probably join up with that with it, the Cherokee caves, right? It does. It runs all the way to Merrimack Caverns. Yes. Wow. Yes. Of course, that's true. Missouri, I've heard, has more caves than any other state in the union. It's the uh, truly right, because we have a limestone underlay, and uh, this system here is known to go that far. The New Madrid Fault, whenever it moves, it will send ripples from that area all the way up the river, and it will send them right through this cave system. That's one of the studies that Dr. Jeffrey Goodman was talking about uh, when he was uh, estimating St. Louis as a possible earthquake site. That considering the undercutting we have here, there shouldn't be so many of these overhead walkways built. Let's take another call, Ron. All right, Jim. Very good. May we have your question for the spooktacular? Yeah, uh, I got some answers for you. I, I, I accidentally tuned on to your program, Mr. White, and, and I'm quite familiar with this Lemp home. Now, William J. Lemp killed himself in that circular office, uh, which when you come in the front entrance, it'd be kind of towards your right with all the round, it's a round room with all the windows. And then he had a brother, Charlie Lemp, and he had a son, William J. Jr., and Edwin Lamp moved out to Kirkwood. He was associated with the uh, with the zoo, and he had all kinds of animals, and whoever said Carswell, that's the right name of his place. Now, William J. Sr., his home was Oswell Farm, which was off of Kennerly Road, and his driveway went back in there about a mile, and his home was built over the, over the bluff, which would still uh, is visible, and it is at... Uh, that antique shop now, but all the rest of the driveway now has homes. Okay. Now, the entrance of this cave, what they're talking about, would be on the north side of Cherokee Street, about a half a block west of roughly Demoniel Home, which is on the corner, which adjoins the Lemp property on the south. Mm -hmm. Now, after Mr. Lemp killed himself, uh, Charlie Lemp lived in that house, and he occupied the first floor, and he did have a bedroom on that second floor, what they were talking about. And the building in the back, that was mainly the stable. Okay, thank you very much. You, well, wait, you flow heard birds? Yeah, back, you know where the bar is? But there's a room in the back beyond that bar, mm -hmm. and I feel like there was birds or something in there at one time, so I don't know if there was or not, but I heard birds as I passed there. Bill Little, you just perked. Did you hear birds, Bill Little? I didn't hear birds. I'm hearing them now. Close <laughs> said, I'm hearing birds. I'm hearing birds. That's Jim White. Flo <laughs> just told me I'm going to make a trip, so I'm going to believe anything that she says. <laughs> 
Okay, Ron, have another call for us? Certainly do, James. May we have your question or comment? Yes, I wonder if any of our listeners have ever heard of the Hyde Park Bristol Mansion in North St. Louis supposed to be haunted. Okay, uh, Ron, I couldn't get that. Uh, James, the uh, lady wonders if any of uh, the folks out there with you or any of the listeners have ever heard anything about the Hyde Park Bissell Mansion on the north side perhaps being haunted. Okay, Hyde Park Bissell Mansion. Bev, have you, uh, are you familiar with Hyde Park Bissell Mansion? Uh, have you worked on that one? Uh, yes, we worked on that one about eight years ago. At the time, uh, that was scheduled for demolition. I think, did they... Did they save it? Or is he still on the way? I don't know. Don't know if it's still there or not. Uh, we didn't really find anything there of that much uh, value. Not in the house, but out in the back there was. Mm-hmm. I think there was a carriage house or something out back, and there was more activity there. Because you're a very active room upstairs here. I haven't had a chance to tell you about that. Did I miss one? Uh, definitely. <laughs> Tell you what, we're going to break away for just a moment. We'll hear about that room. And incidentally, one of the ladies uh, who went to the ladies' restroom here, uh, Sharon Flora, had something she said happened in there. We're going to check with her when we come back also. And that was Mr. Lemp's personal bath. I, I don't know if... Uh, what are you nodding about, Bill? I went in there, too. You were in the ladies' restroom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it beautiful? Bill Little, was oh, it? Yeah. We'll be right back. We'll, we'll never tell, Bill. We'll never tell. <laughs> Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular continues after this on KMOX. Happy Halloween. This is a special broadcast of Jim White's annual Halloween Spooktacular. interesting occurrences here this evening upstairs and downstairs and in the hallways and we're going to switch away uh, switch away from ghosts and goblins and spirits for a moment and uh, well talk to a legend actually for just a moment or two here and I know he has to get back on and play because a lot of his fans over there waiting for him. Johnny Johnson is his name and I'm sure many of you, most of you I suspect who are allowed to stay up this late remember a great Chuck Berry song called Johnny Be Good and Johnny Be Good was written about Johnny Johnson, who actually discovered Chuck Berry some years ago over, I believe it was on Delmar, if I'm not mistaken, where you're, where you're playing. Oh, East St. Louis. East St. Louis. It's a place called the Cosmopolitan. Okay, now the story I heard was that you had a, a lead guitar man who uh, was not too dependable. Sometimes right. he'd be there, sometimes right. he wouldn't be there. Right. There, was, there was a young kid hanging around with right. his guitar saying, hey, this give me a chance. True. This is true. You put him on one day, his name was Chuck Berry. Is that about to it? This is true. Now, Chuck was very dependable. Uh, the reason, that the way I got in touch with Chuck was, uh, like, I had this group at the Cosmopolitan, and one night my saxophone player had an accident, and I, and I didn't have anyone, to, but I had sent him with Chuck up a place called Huff's Garden in East St. Louis. So I called Chuck, and he said, well, you probably couldn't get nobody else the reason you called me. I said, no, that's not it. I called you because I like the way you play guitar. So he came down, and this was like in 52. So we mingled around and played together, and in 53, we put out a record called Maybelline. And it was a big success. Oh, Maybelline. Oh, Maybelline. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, from that, Chuck and I, we began to uh, get close and closer together. So, like, I've been with him for the last 28 years or so. You're, you've played piano on virtually every Chuck Berry record that Every Chuck made. Berry yep. record, I'm playing piano on it. And a few other people as well. Right. Like the, um, well, the Rolling Stones is supposed to come to St. Louis sometime soon. I made some records with Rod Stewart. And, uh, like, we're out there at the hub. What's that hub in St. Louis here? That's before me. <laughs> no, no. It's a, it's a club called Hub out here. It's a friend of mine named Billy Peak that he plays with Chuck Berry. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's playing at the Hub now. So I go out and say they went to him every so often. But as of, as of like, uh, I'm with all of them. I mean, they all know me and so forth. And I enjoy it, but I will stay right here at Lemons Mansion. Oh, have a good sound, have a good group over there. You have a vocalist over there that's done a lot of big band work Mr. for some Barnes, yeah. Steve Barnes. Super, super singer. He's very, very good. It's a good group, and you're here every Friday and Saturday night, right? Every Friday and Saturday night. Well, you've been announcing this, please. Yep. Let me ask you this. Uh, in all the time you've been playing here, uh, has anything strange or unusual happened to you while you've been here? Have you seen anything or heard anything? I haven't heard anything, but I have... I mean, I haven't seen anything, what I, but Dick told me one night they were here cleaning up, and he was here by himself, Mrs. Pointer, mm -hmm. and say the piano started playing, and this was about two hours after I left. <laughs> and when I came back next week, he said, hey, the piano was playing last week. I said, well, like, uh, could you give me the money that I got coming on my contract? <laughs> and I won't come back anymore. <laughs> Johnny, I know they're all waiting for you over in the other room, and uh, we'll be, we've been enjoying your music all evening over here. It comes in quite nicely, so our radio audience will get a little bit of it in the background as well. Mm -hmm. Good to see you again. We'll do it again. That's good. Thank so you. You're going to come over there later. Oh, I'll be over there later, yeah. All right. I planned it so I have an hour between the time I leave here and the time I have to be back there. Okay. Five minutes away, right. got all this timed out. Thanks a million. Johnny Johnson for just a moment there. And guess who has arrived after, what, four or five years of always having an excuse of not joining us on our Halloween spooktacular, Dr. John O'Danny has joined us, uh, professor of folklore and superstition at SIU Edwardsville. John, come on over here now. Sit in this chair right here on the exact spot that there were two suicides uh, occurred over a few there's nothing worse could happen. You lost the soccer game today. You lost the, you were at the bronze boot tonight. Yes, I just came from there. We who? SIU lost. Oh, no. We are not SIU on this side of the river. I know that. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> Sit back, enjoy your tab, and we'll be right back. Saturday on CBS Television, Elliot Gould is the pilot and Ricky Schroeder is the stowaway orphan when suddenly... We're running out of gas. It's the television premiere of Walt Disney's The Last Flight of Noah's Ark when they crash land in the midst of all that's left of the Japanese Imperial Army. The war is over. Then, Robert Ulrich and Deborah Raffin are on a whitewater trip that turns to tragedy when someone starts hunting them. How many people you want to kill? All of them. Killing at Hell's Gate right after Disney's The Last Flight of Noah's Ark, Saturday at 8, 7 Central and Mountain on CBS Television. Back again at the Lent Mansion. Dr. John Old Danny has joined us. Doctor, how are you? Hi, Jim. How are you? I was taking seven to two odds that you wouldn't be here tonight. You, oh, you lost. Yes, I did. Congrats. Well, we're glad to have you. Well, we're, we're in the neighborhood. I, I live in the area, and I thought, well, I've got to come tonight. Uh -huh. When you walked up the front walk, did you by any chance look up at that round portion of the building and see something hideous staring out at you? No, I did uh, Several not. people have reported that you didn't look up. No, no, I did not. I watched oh. the steps. I was about to fall. No, I, I did not. You really don't believe in all of this, do you? No, no, no. 
Then you won't Something. mind. Then you won't mind going upstairs in the dark. Uh, well, wait a minute. In the dark. Wait a minute. There are no lights up there. There are no lights up there. No. Oh, we have plenty of flashlights. Have you been there? Has anyone been there? Oh tonight? yeah, we've all been there. I will go. Yes, I'd like to go. All right, we have a flash. Bev has a flashlight. Bev, don't lose that flash, and I'll follow you anywhere. <laughs> all right. Also joining us at the table, and we're going to be moving back to the phones in just a moment or two. Here is Terry Engel, uh, who is from the Belleville area. Bills herself as the Belleville psychic. Terry, how are you tonight? Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you had for dropping meal. by. You had a good meal. Food was just delightful. Good. What do you have tonight? I had the chicken breast. Oh, that was good. Delight, delightful. Cordon Bleu. Yes, the Cordon Bleu. Delicious. Yeah. This is very good. Well, you've been wandering around here this evening in the various rooms and so forth. Is this your first trip over here? Yes, it's my first trip into this particular house. Yes. What are your impressions? Well, I, earlier I was with a, another lady who turned out to be a spiritual medium, and we were having quite an experience upstairs with a lady in, in lavender. Um, she was very strong, very small, very quick. Um, I kept getting the name Ellen or Helen. wasn't sure. Um, whether it was, I think it was Ellen. I wanted to pronounce it that way. Um, of course, I had heard about the suicides on the way over, so I knew about them. I began looking for them and found them very quickly after entering the building. They're right over here where John yeah. is sitting. John is sitting there. He's really, he's really brave since I know, know John. You know, he's really brave. <laughs> I'm in the area where the suicides and where the... Right, right. And, of course, the one incident we had is I brought uh, friends with me, and one who has never encountered a spirit in her life got thoroughly smacked upon the fanny going up the stairs. And did you hear her scream in the early part of the evening? About 9 o'clock, she let out a scream, which brought everybody huh. running. And there was no one behind her. The other girl took off and left her. Oh, and boy. So we had that. I um, have felt different uh, activities going on in the house as I've walked around. And, and the, the heat, intensely warm at times, feeling mm -hmm. I want to faint once in a while having to stop and pull the energy, yeah, protect yeah. it. It is quite, you know, it's quite warm upstairs. We talk about cold feelings. It's warm, it's very warm up there, everywhere, sultry we almost. We have cold, very cold spots. Are there? I didn't, yes, didn't find those. Places, yes. Bev Phyllis had to leave, and Dave and, and that whole crew, and the Count, uh, Phyllis came down and whispered in my ear while we were talking about something else, and said that the Count had had his first experience tonight, that he was sort of skeptical about all this, and he had some sort of experience, but I didn't have a chance to find out what happened. Did you talk to Phyllis about what happened to the Count? I asked him to take me upstairs and show me what happened to him. And he walked into a web of energy that was stretching across one of the rooms up there. And uh, there's a very definite cold spot in that room. And that's the one where I, I had felt the female presence. Mm -hmm. But he was astonished by it, like most skeptics who encounter something for the first time. He said, I didn't believe this stuff. But then I walked face first into it. And there was nothing there, of course. I had my flashlight, and I showed him. There's nothing here at all. Hmm. Did you uh, find any of the impression of the dog, the Doberman, that people have been talking about tonight up there on that landing? Uh, yes, there is a strong impression of a dog up there in that landing, but I don't think it's uh, the dog that belongs to the present owner. You know, the previous, apparently, Mr. Lemp also had a Doberman, which is kind of interesting since Dick Pointer, the owner now, didn't know anything about that, and he, too, chose a Doberman uh, to live in the house with him. I'm not sure it's a Doberman. It's a short-haired dog, but I'm not sure it was a Doberman. Mm-hmm. Nice, friendly dog? I think neutral. <laughs> Dogs <laughs> like me, usually. All right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, what do you think overall tonight? Uh, we had... Uh, yeah, it's kind of tough for me sitting here with piles of paper and uh, people coming in and out. Uh, we had uh, a lot of activity here tonight? Yes, I think we have. I think that this room upstairs would, if you want to come back, we could probably spend three or four days on figuring out what's wrong with that room. 
considering how that 150-pound shiffer rope moves back and forth across the doorway, just that alone might, uh, you know, might John Old Danny might not be able to take it if that happens while he's in the Let's room. Let's put him inside the shiffer rope. <laughs> that way we'll be able to. I can really feel the movement. And then it'll be a 300-pound shiffer rope. Well, this is a fascinating room. I haven't heard anything about that room at all, so we go upstairs yeah. and we find that the real haunted room is up there with claw marks in the door and shiffer robes that walk. And but you've not, you've not worked this house before, I understand. You've not. I've only been here once, and I was never upstairs. We had four police with us up there. Has anyone uh, done the... There's a third floor or fourth floor? Or no. We couldn't get second all the way the, up. Second and a third that we were. There's an attic beyond that. Well, we want to come here and do it thoroughly, from the basement caves to the fourth attic. What about the caves? They've not been done? Not yet. Well, do you want to come with us? No, no, no. I think I'll just go oh, upstairs. You don't like caves? <laughs> Bats and things? I'm not a spelunker. No. There's a theater down there that holds 300 people underneath this house. Yes. No, I think I'll try the second, third floor first. <laughs> Terry, um, this is the room, as, as we've mentioned many times, where two suicides were committed. Um, yeah, I suppose it just seemed logical that this should be the room with, the, with all the activity, but yet there's really nothing been happening in here tonight. Is it unusual that uh, they go somewhere else? No, I don't find that unusual at all, Jim. I find very frequently that that, that sort of drops and they will, there will be activity in other parts of the house because they're trying to get to that part or they're trying to complete something or go back and finish up something. Did you get any impression of money tonight because uh, Gordon Hayner several times mentioned lots of money down money under somewhere. Here, yeah. Do you feel money here it too? Was stored. I, I thought there had been a safe. In fact, I thought there was a safe. I didn't think of it. Oh, there it is. Being... There's a huge vault. Yeah, downstairs? No, no, no. Up oh, there's no. two vaults I had there. a feeling of money being stored downstairs and thought it was natural for it to be here. Okay, but there's caverns down there too, so the money could well be in there. Could be there, yes. We're going in the caverns, Bev. Yes, you it bet. Could be. You should go yes. and take, check that out. Bring your large purse. <laughs> Bill Reininger says he knows exactly where it's hidden. <laughs> oh, that's seven. Who was it said seven? That was... Is that you, Bill Little? Said the number seven? Six. Who was saying seven? Somebody said seven here. That was one of those disembodied voices, my friend. Don't get Somebody it was us. sitting here in my ear saying, seven bricks over from the doorway where you walk into the cavern. Somebody said that earlier. I would have been probably Bill Reininger, unless it was one of the disembodied. It was not Bill Reininger. Did your own psychic power is developing? Seven bricks. Whoops, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it wasn't seven. No, it was 13 over from the right. Forget that seven from the left. 436-7900, St. Louis. 436-7900, area code 314. Illinois, 3978-600. Bill Little uh, is looking at his watch. Does that mean you were turning into a pumpkin? No, I'm going home to await the great pumpkin. Ah, uh, I want to be there when... The thing arrives because I want All right. to get what's coming. Got to sit out in the pumpkin patch tonight. Yeah, right? I will okay. do it, and I'll leave my place to John all day. <laughs> thank okay. you, Bill. You're very kind. I, uh... Bill, thank you for joining us again this it's year. Been fun. Jim. See you on Thursday night. Yes, right? sir. Next Thursday night. Same time, same station. All right. right, and we'll be right back here and take a whole bunch of phone calls. Well, we're back again at the Lem Match. We're going to take some phone calls in this uh, remaining minutes here, and we have sitting around the table a, a select group of. Uh, Psychics and soothsayers and clairvoyants and Bevy will never tell us what you'll never tell us what you are, Bevy. I mean, you're sitting there with a funny look on your face. What do you call yourself? Psychic researcher. All right, psychic researcher. Uh, Bill Reininger has just joined us, and uh, he is a psychic, psychic healer, and he's one of your team, right, Bevy? He is one of the most talented young psychics in the city, if not in the state. How are many young psychics? Why is it? Because hardly anybody knew how to train anybody to use ESP until I did that. 
and I have been training people, younger people, to take up where we old people leave off. <laughs> Bill, sitting next to John Old Danny here, do you get any impressions about him at all? I'm sitting uh, in the spot, Bill. I'm sitting in the spot. Don't say it, please. The only impressions that I get is he's uh, very much of a non-believer. Uh, after I take him upstairs and move him through the energy fields, uh, he will be a believer. <laughs> All right, Ron, let's, let's take a few phone calls. That will do, James, and you're on the Spooktacular. Yes, I just wanted to tell you about the number seven. You had spoken of it earlier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was from a person with whom you had spoken in Texas, I believe, who was attending the AMA convention. Oh, that's who. That was, that was Dr. Brodeur. So you that's might right. be psychic, but that was the reason you had heard the number oh, okay. seven earlier. It was a disembodied spirit. Exactly what I said. <laughs> Dr. Brodeur, thank you very much. Voice. Another call? You're on KMOX. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting when you start talking about the cave underneath the Limp Mansion. My father was a cabinet maker in South St. Louis and told me the story about working in that cave to build stairways and walkways. And at one time, I think they had a bar down there. He had... And that was part of his uh, his specialty to build bars and whatnot. But they had built some racks in there, and at one time I think they had the idea of aging beer down there. But I don't know that the thing ever worked out that well. But he worked in that cave, and I, as a child, uh, as a young kid, I was raised in that neighborhood, and we used to go down into a shaft uh, right off of Cherokee and Limp. Uh, there was a round shaft about 10 foot in diameter with a circular iron staircase down in there. And us kids used to climb over this this fence and go down in there. Of course, we didn't have the flashlights, and we could go down as far as we could. The light would let us, and they had a bunch of war surplus from World War One stored in there. But then there was another air shaft to that same cave that uh, came out over north of Benton Park, about Benton Park in Missouri. And uh, it was, uh, they had it open in, uh, oh, it was, uh, gee, I don't know, I guess in the late 30s, some kid fell down there. People used to throw trash down in there, and then finally I think the city closed it up. But there was an air shaft to that cave that far away. And uh, I just thought it was interesting listening to you and, uh, and uh, wanted to relate some of my own personal experiences about, about the cave uh, caves that are under the limp right there. Okay, thank, thank you very you. much. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, let's see, the temperature, as I recall, my spelunking days is 52 degrees year-round in the caves. I don't know if that's a good beer-aging temperature or not. Jim, how extensive are these caves? Oh, I mean, they're all over the place. Debbie knows more about it than, uh, than I do, but the whole downtown area, the whole South St. Louis area, down to the riverfront, caves all over. All the way down to the um, Merrimack Cave system. Have they ever been mapped? Oh. Uh, we're in the process of finding that out now, and you get a little piece here from the Bureau of the Engineers, and a little from the streets and roads, and a little from the transit people, mm-hmm. and a little bit from the choo-choo people, because everybody's got different maps. I know, I there know, is no sure. comprehensive map. Mm. But uh, St. Louis is hollow under. You can count on that. Mm. You mean, come to the earthquake, we could sink about 18 feet? Well, let's just say you'd be in the basement instead of on the third floor down at Campo <laughs> Bev, good to see you again, as always. Lovely to see you And I promise we'll do it before next Halloween. We, we're going to sit down with some of your people in the studio and talk seriously about some of these things. It's been a lot of, a lot of fun. Interesting. Terry, 
Good to have you drop by. Thank you. Pleasant surprise. Bill? Thank you very much. Hope to, uh, hope to meet you again, uh, professionally and unprofessionally as well. Dr. O'Danny? I made it, Jim. Well, you're not out of here yet. No, no, that's right. And to the cast of thousands of others who are here, and I'll miss some names, but Gordon Hainer was here, and Al Pechenik, and who all am I missing? I apologize to those. Bill Little and Dr. Brodeur by phone, and on and on and on, and Phyllis and Dave, and so forth and so on. I'm Jim White. This is KMOX St. Louis Total Radio. It's 12 midnight. You know where your children are? <laughs> Jim White's Halloween Spooktacular on KMOX. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.